0: Listening to the bomb hole.
1: Bomb podcast.
2: It's gonna be very hot. It's gonna be very uncomfortable for everybody.
0: We're Gonna
3: slide down them big hills. You know what I mean? On a big, nice burgundy snowboard. All right, here we go again. We're back in the booth at the bomb hole, presented by Pub Beer. Now, the people want to know. Stony Buds, how are we doing? So good, my dog. Love it. Love it. <laughs> to, to my left, we have Leanne Pelosi in the booth today. Leanne, how we doing?
4: Good. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
3: We are happy that you're here with us today, Leanne. So for the listeners that don't know who you are, uh, I'll give you a brief intro. So Leanne has been pro for just about two decades. She's an icon in snowboarding, from pushing progression from parks, streets, to big mountain to directing, producing, and starring in films that have inspired a generation. She has mentored many of today's top pros and dedicated her life to snowboarding. This is going to be a great episode and uh, also our first uh, soon-to-be mom in the booth. <laughs> How are we feeling about that, Leanne?
4: <laughs> it's an honor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm speaking for two right now. Yeah, right? yeah.
3: yeah we could potentially have our first... Childbirth in the in the studio? Is that I don't know.
4: I mean, yeah, anything can happen. Anything at this point. can happen. I'm six and a half months, so oh, wow. yeah, like could yeah.
3: A little early, but
2: yeah, it'd be a little early.
4: Yeah, but
3: awesome. Well, uh, I I gotta You'd say, be in good hands either way. <laughs> the way I found out was during natural selection, and which yeah. was awesome. By the way. And the caption to your Instagram post was unbelievable as well.
4: <laughs> oh, yeah, that was funny.
3: <laughs> well, let's run it back because a lot of people think you're Canadian, but you're actually not uh, born in Canada.
4: This is true. I was born in the UK, in Wales. Um, and then my parents immigrated to Canada when I was two.
3: And where did you guys grow up in Canada?
4: Uh, we grew up in Calgary, Alberta, and then... I went to school there and university, and then I moved out to Whistler shortly after.
3: Now, I want to know more about your soccer career, because I know you were, like, big-time soccer player back (gasps) in the day, right?
4: Well, it was my dream to be a big-time soccer player, and then my dreams were cut short uh, just right at the end of my university five-year stint.
3: But You played for the junior national team and all that type of stuff, right?
4: Yeah, yeah.
3: So yeah, I want to. I just want to know more about like that, that's like that was your life basically, right?
4: Yeah, that was my life for sure. Um, yeah, I envisioned myself being a pro soccer player, and I looked up to Mia Hamm and the U.S. Women's Soccer Team, and that was definitely like the only direction that I saw myself going in. Um, but I did have a passion for snowboarding too, but I just wasn't. I, I didn't see that trajectory for a career in snowboarding at that point. Um, but soccer was like organized. There was like a a plan to get to a certain level and yeah, I was on the junior national team and then (laughs) tragedy struck and I got into a big car accident.
3: And And you were on scholarship too, right? For soccer as well. yeah, Yeah.
4: So the way it works in Canada is that you get, um, nationally carded and, um, so you get your university paid for and then a stipend and then. You get your travel and all that stuff paid for. It's pretty sweet.
3: So then you're on a snowboard trip or something, and you got in an accident. Is that what happened?
4: I was I was just on my way home from Sunshine with <laughs> with the snowboard shop, uh, Mission Snowboard Shop from Calgary.
2: I'm <laughs> an airhorn. Yeah, they'd like an Air
4: horn. horn. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we were we had this like big van, like. It had skulls painted on the side of it, and we were driving home from Sunshine. There was eight of us, like just uh, couches in the back. There was a disco ball, (laughs) and uh, the driver fell asleep at the wheel, and we went off into a ditch and then flew across this this crossroad in between two highways and then hit a pole.
3: So you get in the accident, and then everything changes at that point because – your, 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 your soccer dreams also taken away with that, right?
4: Yeah. So there's this unspoken rule in organized sport, especially when you're carded that um, you only focus on one sport. And I was definitely pinned with the fact that I was focusing on snowboarding as well, even though it was just my passion. So I got this letter in the mail shortly after and uh they were re- revoking my status as a Canadian carded athlete, and uh, my mom actually kept the rejection letter and gave it to me when North Face did a piece on it. and it said, "Is snowboarding even a sport?" Like <laughs> wow, yeah, they were definitely like, you know, <laughs> so it wasn't
2: from injuries. it was just because you were doing two different sports that they yeah, I crossed you be the
4: lines, and it wasn't okay, and it wasn't cool and um i i tried my hardest to like say hey i can come back i shattered my humerus in the accident and um yeah i I was trying to prove myself and prove my athleticism and all the things but they weren't having it do you have any
2: regrets that soccer didn't work out or are you stoked that it went the way it went
4: no i think that like things happen for a reason and like I'm so grateful for the life that I have now. I can't even imagine, like, I think my soccer career would have been done shortly after compared to what I've been able to have in snowboarding. So I'm super grateful that my life was shattered That at that moment. I didn't know what I was going to do. And then um, I just was, like, in the middle of two degrees, finishing a biomechanics degree and an engineering degree. And um, I told my parents I was going to move to Whistler. For a season, and they were like, "No, (laughs) (laughs) no, 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 no! Please, no!" (laughs)
0: What's crazy is
2: people think that that's their worst day ever, and life's never going to be the same. And now here you are with this amazing career and baby on the way. And
4: yeah, it's it's, crazy.
2: Yeah, it's everything happens for a reason, you know. And it is what it is. That's great.
4: Yeah, I mean, when I first moved to Whistler, I was living on sleeping on a couch, like a fold-out couch. Uh, with another friend in the room and like you know just scraping by working at Earl's as a hostess and doing what I could to survive Um, and so I really didn't really know what was going to happen I, I just loved snowboarding so much I went every single day and worked in the nights.
3: That, you just said working at Earl's, and that seems like a rite of passage for
4: <laughs> every Whistler. So the like Kuzik yeah. and Dara. Like, yeah. Everybody's
3: worked at Earl's, it seems oh,
4: like. they welcome you with open arms. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Good food, too. Love that place. <laughs> I, I just want to, you, you, you kind of breezed over it, but in that North Face piece I watched, you had a great quote. The Kind of the punchline at the end is, uh, adversity is an opportunity to grow stronger. I thought that was a, a great quote.
4: Thank you. Yeah, I just, I feel like um, when, you're, when you're knocked down so hard and you have everything taken away from you and it's somebody else's decision and it's not yours, um, I think you just have, you dig deep and you're like, okay, what do I truly want to do? And I just, I feel like at that moment, I truly listened to my gut pulling me to Whistler. I was like, it's just the culture of snowboarding, just seemed so much fun that I had to be a part of it. And, uh, yeah, that was my calling. I was like, I don't know what's happening. I know I'm leaving my biomechanics degree, and I might not finish my engineering degree. I uh, actually never finished the engineering. Um, and my dad was an engineer, and all dads say that you're going to be an engineer. And so I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to be. <coughs> um, and I remember people saying that I've ruined my life by going out to Whistler. And my parents called me back several times, like, you should get back here. You're just spending money and ruining your life. Um, But, yeah, just sometimes for some people, organized sport isn't the way to go. And I found more passion through snowboarding, and the community brought me in, and I just felt like it was so powerful I couldn't – I could not go back to Calgary. Yeah.
3: Well, you definitely made the right decision now, as far as your your snowboard career, I know you've been on K two for a, for a long time, but I kind of want to know how things got started and how your career started to take off.
4: Things got started in Whistler. I mean, like I did a few contests in Calgary um, when I was growing up. Now that it didn't really amass to anything, it was just more for fun. Uh, in university, my really good friend was the. Joanna Meherkiewicz was the um, university snowboard club manager. So we'd go on these, like, really fun trips with the university cr- crowd. But um, I, I would say my snowboard career in Canada, like, if you want to be a professional snowboarder, you go to Whistler. That's where the industry is, and um, that's not exactly what my intention was. I was just kind of going to relieve steam from this my life disaster. But when I got to Whistler... Um, I just snowboarded every day and I had a handy cam and me and my roommate just filmed each other. And I put out like a video on snowboard.com and actually Bobby Meeks and Corey Grove saw it and, (laughs) and, uh, I got a message from Bobby Meeks and I was like, there's no way this is like the real Bobby Meeks (laughs) messaging me. And they were like, what do you think about riding for K2? And I was like what a sponsor like heck yeah and so K2 sent me two boards and a contract in the mail and uh, right at the same time I blew my knee and so I was like no (laughs) Uh, so I went back to Calgary for to another semester of university and uh, to pass the time in the summer and um, Kevin English invited me to a van's triple crown that fall I didn't tell them that I blew my knee because I was so scared to lose that opportunity. And um, when I got to the Vance Triple Crown, I was freaked out about hitting anything because I had this mental block uh, about hitting things and maybe ruining my knee again. And uh, I told Kim Bonsack uh, that I blew my knee. And she's like, oh, you can tell us that you blew your knee. It's totally okay. She made me feel so comfortable and they were like, let's go hit the baby jumps. And so I just got really comfortable and um, yeah, they were like a really big help and they were very supportive K2 from the start. And yeah, it was, I, I kind of was added to the AM team I think at the time um, when it was like the, the robot food crew on K2, it was so sick to be a part of that crew. Um, So I learned a lot just traveling with them that year.
3: And then I know, uh, I think Jeff was telling me that your first, uh, one of your first big trips, you guys went to Iceland or or something like that? Oh,
4: yeah. Yeah, I did. I went to Iceland on a rail trip. See, I was invited by K2 to do all these slope-style contests, but what I was really uh, good at at the time was hitting rails because my brother was a really good skateboarder, and so we would hit street rails in Calgary on our days off from school or whatever and um so I got invited on this rail trip to Iceland which was so sick and it was with Transworld I think it was in like 2005 with um Pavo Tikkanen uh Jesse Fox Scott Surface um the Helgesons
2: was Ben Fee on that story (laughs) the writer
4: Maybe he not might as, have
2: been. I, I think maybe he was. Maybe he wrote. It. I think I remember that feature in the mag.
4: Yeah, I'm you know sure. what? You're probably right. Yeah, I forget. My memory is so Iceland's bad these crazy days. though, yeah. huh? And Iceland. Young
3: Young Helgason's actually seems amazing. Like, yeah, a, it probably like that was before. 17 that was years
4: before old. they were a thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so these guys were our guides, and uh, Aki and Haldor were like taking us to rails that I was like mind blown by, like. It was like a down, around, a down. I'm like, people count stairs at this point. Like, I'm hitting a 28-stair rail, like straight, flat rail. <laughs> and and these guys are like, oh, we found this rail. And I remember Haldor or Aki, one of them front-boarded the down, around, and down. And I was just mind blown. I was like, these kids are their future. They're just, like, on another level. And, uh, yeah, it was really sick to see them, and I think – Jesse Fox actually helped Ike get on to um, Rome at that time. And uh, yeah, that was definitely an eye-opener, seeing those kids there. And we showed up to – one of the rails they showed us was this, like, down, flat, down, flat, down, and it was a double bar. And they were like, Leanne, you should hit it. And there was no snow anywhere. And I was like, okay, okay, <laughs> this sounds fun. And then we built a jump, and then there was snow at the end. Classic early 2000s rail. Um, and then it was at a school. So the unif- uh, the principal brought the entire school out, lined them up at the bottom, and they're like, okay, Leanne, go. And so there I am. I'm like, um, this is kind of a technical rail for me to be hitting in front of school children. I'm like, I don't know if I want them to see me eat shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I could not get the speed, and then Surface gave his camera to Jesse Fox. He's like, "Here, shoot like this." And then he ran up the stairs, and big Surface was like, oh, "I'm going to pull you in." And he just went, Whoop. and I ha- sure enough I had enough speed and got it right away. Really, or this rail, yeah, what a
3: legend! Iconic, you in, <laughs> iconic.
4: Gave his camera Surfaces to someone else,
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh, regular Clydesdale, yeah, pulling you, in. yeah, fully. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Now that I, I just want to highlight because that's when I'm thinking about your career. You're, you're like you know you're in Calgary. You're doing like little probably rail jams and stuff. And then you're whistling. And then you're on a AM team with Travis Parker and and uh, you know Vlays on K two at this time. It seems like it was was it pretty quick from like being relatively unknown to being like oh shit I'm I'm oh, in for yeah. K two.
4: I feel like I got brought into like the royalty club of snowboarding. Like that was like the it crew and Gretchen Blyler was on the team as well. And, um, yeah, I, that was also when all the rail jams were popping up. So I had some success with a bunch of rail jams and yeah, I was able to like kind of start. Well, you're in the forefront
3: of progression too. You're like front boarding rails and stuff that, Street trip in Iceland. Yeah, I mean. hitting, hitting a lot of spots that you, you're you on the forefront of progression at that time, dude. Don't Don't count yourself short.
4: <laughs> well, I was inspired by, I mean, I remember when I was counting the stairs, and I remember seeing Jana, I think, and Tara hit this super long rail in, like, Tahoe. And I was like, oh, I know a rail in Kelowna that is, like, around the same size. I feel like I could probably... It was this tall rail. The spot was called Glen Rosa and a lot of it's a pretty popular rail here in Canada. And so uh, I remember when I could count the stairs, it kind of matched what like the top tier of the women's snowboarders were doing. I was like, okay, like, I feel like I can kind of like, like ride the same level maybe on the rail front. But I was just having fun. (laughs) It was funny that we were doing that at that time.
3: Sounds like a banger, but uh, in regards to some early days snowboarding stuff, we have a guest question from none other than Spencer O'Brien. Here we go.
1: What up, Bombhole? Hey, Eastone. Hey, Grenier. Thanks so much for having me on today. Really excited to get to ask Leanne a question. She's one of my favorite people and has been a huge mentor to me for many years, really since the very beginning of my career, Um, and that's kind of what I wanted to ask you, Leanne, is... You have been such an incredible mentor to so many women in snowboarding. I personally owe so much to you when it comes to contract negotiations, agents, um, transitioning into the backcountry, how to choose a line, like the list goes on and on and on. Um, And you've done that with countless women, um, not to mention runway films, full moon films, like you've always just been a shepherd for us and have really helped so many women succeed in this industry. So my question is, did you have a mentor at the beginning of your career? Um, If so, who was it? If not, um, where do you think um, that drive to really help other women succeed comes from? And to finish things off, I just thought it would be pretty funny if you told the story about that time me you and jackie berg were in mammoth for the dragon party at fever um this is actually a super bad story for me but it's hilarious and i think i should tell it (laughs) anyways thanks so much guys hope you all have a good one.
4: Aw, spencer she's the best she's a dear friend of mine um okay that story if she wants me to tell that story I can't believe she even remembers the club name, but we were in Mammoth for some contest, and it was just, it was in the era, you know, like the partying and the snowboarding, it kind of went hand in hand, and and Spencer was like a super grom, and I think like, I was doing the worm on the dance floor, and I broke my chin that night. And doing the worm. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> <That's> a respectable <laughs> move. <laughs> yeah. we'll of respect chin that. Yeah, chin strap think for the worm. I've done one since then. I had a black chin for a few weeks. Um, but I see Spencer, and she's so drunk, and I see her in the bathroom, and she just like looks at herself and just vomits straight into the mirror. <laughs> oh! <laughs> and I was like, oh my god.
3: Projectile. Do it
4: again. <laughs> I grabbed my phone and I'm like, do it again. <laughs> I just, I could, i was just awestruck by like seeing, it was just unimaginable seeing someone puke to themselves. Yeah, I've air. never, really never heard of anyone doing that. No. Yeah, we got in a little bit of trouble. um I think Jackie, <coughs> after that, jackie got into an argument with the bouncer and there was like some spitting going on. It was bad. yeah We got kicked up okay. out and. It sounds yeah, like those things classic like old forget. days. Yeah. Old yeah. days of snowboarding. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and then her other question was who were your mentors?
4: Oh, mentors. Um, mentorship. I would say when I moved to Whistler, I didn't necessarily have like female mentors, but um, Jeff and Kevin Sansalone and those guys would, were definitely helping me out and, I remember Kevin Sansel gave me my first pair of dragon goggles and linked me up with Dave Bernie um, to get kind of hooked up. And I bought a snowmobile. And this is when Jeff and I were like kind of hanging and we weren't really together yet, but <laughs> uh, he was trying really hard and he was like, <laughs> he's like, who's taking you snowmobiling? And I'm like, you like obviously come on (laughs) and then and then uh but he was also like on his own path trying to be a snowboarder and so he would take me off or he would take me out to the backcountry on his days off and I kind of slowly learned through him and um yeah I kind of just remember that was a great big help because I I did not have a crew and I relied on the guys to take me out um and I remember seeing there was, like, Victoria, jealous and Annie kind of pursuing the backcountry in our area. Um, but they were so hooked up and so super pro at the time. And I just felt like, yeah, I, I wanted to do that, but I didn't know how. And so I definitely looked up to Jeff and uh, the skids. The skids. <laughs> and But, yeah, I, I feel like – Uh, turning that into passing on knowledge. I feel like when you're younger, uh, you need, like, you need somebody. You need community. You need a mentorship. That's how you get somewhere in this sport. There's no other way. And uh, it's – I always felt like a responsibility to pass it on. And also, I have felt a rejection in snowboarding, big time, just being a female. And um, I think for me – having a creative outlet was filmmaking. And I I tried to turn that energy into a positive, like that feeling uh, neglected from, you know, maybe the boys club sometimes. I was like, all right, this is, I know what to do. Get a camera, get a crew, make my own crew and start the filmmaking stuff. So I think that's kind of where my energy uh, or my passion for giving back came from.
3: Well said, well said. I have a
2: Patreon question. Yeah, fire it up. This is from uh, Thomas McGrath, and uh, if anyone watching wants a chance to uh, send in a question like Thomas says, check out patreon.com, look up the bomb hole, and you will have a chance. What was it like coming up in the golden era of snowboarding, and what do you think is the major difference of the IG era of snowboarding, and what do you think the pros and cons of both are?
4: Oh, Good question multi that's probably like several layers deep um it was amazing coming up in the early 2000s of snowboarding there was so much energy being put towards snowboarding there were so many icons of, of snowboarding made at that time and I feel like at that time um you could also do it all you could compete you could film you could do everything it was kind of like uh, not as a specialized of a sport as it is now. And so it was really fun because you were always doing something different. I was filming on a rail trip in between contests, um, and I had the support of the sponsors. I think the sponsors were doing a lot more for the riders in curating these, like, iconic images. You were getting ads, and there was, like, these so many magazines. And so there were certain riders that were just – Blown up at the time. And I think um, there's pros and cons. I think the pro is that the athlete didn't have to do a ton of stuff on the computer side. And whereas nowadays with Instagram, you see all the snowboarders really putting in the work to produce their own content and doing everything for themselves. The benefit of the digital era now is that you're kind of in control of your own content and you can blow yourself up you don't need somebody uh, or a company to acknowledge uh you as a writer. you can kind of like self-sustain um a career on your own um but it's also diluted uh there's so many people and maybe not as much cheddar biscuits to go around yes So, (laughs) (laughs) so it's the That is true.
2: A magazine or a brand could run all these ads, and all of a sudden you're topping the exposure meter. Mm. And, yeah, you were just an iconic rider because there's six ads of you, one from every brand. Yeah. And now you just got to create it yourself. That's
4: that's crazy. Yeah, I think there's a lot more work nowadays that goes into being a professional snowboarder. And I've felt that for sure. But I've also just, I feel like when you get older, you take more responsibility on anyways. Mm Mm-hmm there's yeah what do you guys think
3: i just thought you just eloquently answered that and probably the best i've heard it explained too especially the the marquee pros you know when you when you're you know it's easy you're larger line up with a photographer you go get some photos you don't even have to take your phone out ever yeah you don't have to post anything you just film a video part and somebody takes pictures of you and not to say that that's necessarily easy but um if you had the right brands yeah, your brands were spending tons of money yeah exactly yeah. they were funding it
4: yeah it was i had a blast traveling in the early 2000s i was just getting brought yeah to like iceland japan south america we were doing catalog shoots in the fall there was so much energy being put towards building up the snowboarders for the credibility for the brands and it just seemed like it was a really fun or it it was really fun to be a part of whereas now it's a lot more like just it's different
3: how many followers do you have it's like that type of shit it's kind of which is is you're like oh metrics yeah Yeah. metrics Metrics. but the 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 thing is is uh that i'm curious about too because you grew up in an era where uh you didn't really have too many uh female writers to look up to it was was like there's dime a dozen um how do you how do you feel like as far as w- like women's snowboarding it is is gotten better and where can it improve
4: i think that women's snowboarding has like astronomically gotten better it's it's incredible to see the level of riding on all fronts from the jibbers to the contest riders to the backcountry um it's so inspiring and I feel like I like, you know, I came from hitting rails back in the day and I still appreciate seeing that. So I I follow all those young girls and I can see the passion that they have and I love seeing when they start their own crews and especially what Jess has done with The Uninvited and kind of she's mentored all that younger generation to come up, which is so powerful to see. Um, and I I think where women's snowboarding can go. I think just more having more equity in the sport and and seeing more mixed gender projects and I think the the industry is coming to uh, having a come to moment where there's a lot more respect going towards the women. Where more back in the day it was more of like not a joke. There was a couple of women that were respected, but it was hard to gain that respect so I think nowadays yeah there's there's a lot more respect for the women and I think that's really important we need it's not just like uh we're not putting this all on the women what are they going to do to improve the sport it's also leans on the men so we need to have an inclusive sport for everybody to get lifted up so I think yeah I think we're in a good place right now and even seeing like the progression of the contest world and seeing Travis Rice's the natural selection, there's lots going on in every single aspect of snowboarding. So I think it's an exciting time.
3: And yeah, good, to, good to know it's that the, the ship's at least heading in the right direction. And yeah, uh, um, that being said, too, I, I kind of want to run back to mentorship too because I think that's a fascinating thing, and it speaks to your character because a lot of a lot of like even you know if I'm speaking for older maybe older men in snowboarding maybe they don't want to like mentor the younger guys because they see them as a threat you know they might see they might see oh. the younger generation as a threat coming to take food off of their plate and I just I just admire the the mentorship from you know the the older generation saying hey come on I'll show you how to do it like you heard Spencer say taught me how to negotiate contracts and in the industry and all these things and and uh, I don't know I mean. It, I, I guess you kind of touched on it, but I, I want you to kind of maybe elaborate on what, what drives you to do that.
4: I just feel so much purpose to help the next generation because like, or not even the next generation, Spencer's like right there with me. But I, um, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot of fulfillment when like I can share knowledge because I really appreciated people sharing knowledge with me. Um, I was like a, a sponge Trying to navigate how to be a pro snowboarder—it's really difficult when you have no idea, like the connections you need to make. Like, how do you how do you negotiate a contract without an agent? Do you need an agent? Like all these things. So when I see somebody uh, coming up that is yearning for that kind of information, I'm I'll gladly share it, and I think it helps all of us, kind of. You
3: know. Well said. And furthermore, uh, you know, if you could go back and give advice to, you know, a young Leanne Pelosi, what, what, or, or for that matter, a, a young snowboarder coming up, what advice do you have?
4: Advice that I could have used when I was coming up. Um, I was kind of what I saw in the media in snowboarding is what I felt like I needed to fit a mold. And I realized as I got older that I don't need to fit a mold and I can just be myself. And uh, I feel like I realized this late in my career. <laughs> um, you know, I would, I was stuck doing X Games contests and Slope sale, and I really didn't truly love doing that. I wanted to be in the backcountry. And when I finally left the whole contest scene, I was like, okay, it felt so good. And um, also, in addition, like, I felt like I had to hit these big cheese wedges and that's not what I love to do. I love riding lines and pillow lines. And I really was inspired by Gigi Ruff back in the day and his creativity on his snowboard. And I kind of just wanted to, like, be my kind of, I don't know, imitate Gigi Ruff on a snowboard. And, yeah, I just, I realized that that's what I should do. I should just ride my snowboard how I want to ride it not feel like I have to do this big jump with Hana Beeman and send, like, a 1080, like, that's just not what I was built for. And so I'm super happy I kind of finally settled into my true self of like wanting to ride lines. And in the last few years, i've um I feel I feel like I've definitely honed in on just listening to my gut of what I want to do. and I so anyway, sorry, to sum this up for advice for, I would say, you know, like, don't feel like you have to. Uh, Be a certain person that you see out there. Just truly hone in on what you want to do with snowboarding on your snowboard and that's when you will excel. It's all about having fun in the end.
2: I have a Patreon question to take this uh, one level deeper from Callan Wang. Any shred advice for young girls or ladies transitioning from resort and park to big mountain?
4: Yeah, I would say that the first step is getting a little backcountry knowledge and do some avalanche courses. I think back in the day we weren't very educated and we were just going out winging it. Um, And I mean, nothing crazy happened, but there's a lot of crazy stuff that can happen. You really need to be self-sufficient out there. So I would recommend joining like a Facebook group of backcountry users and Try to like gain as much knowledge before you and go with a crew and go with somebody that knows more than you always. <laughs> safety,
3: <laughs> you safety. Good advice. First. And I want to get into all that stuff, but what you said earlier, I, I just want to go back into that for a second. Cause I think that's such a powerful thing. Cause as a, as a snowboarder, Coming up, you, you know, in your head, you oh, I should be doing this. I mm-hmm. I saw that I, I should be hitting the cheese wedge. I should be hitting the down rail. I should be, this is what I should be doing, but it's not necessarily what you want to be doing. No. And, and I can relate to that so much where you're like, gosh, oh, you know, and you you find yourself doing the things that you're supposed to because it's like the industry things that people do but it's like when it really works out for you you fucking do what you want to do and and then you find yourself and i I don't know i just thought that was uh, i just wanted to highlight that because i thought that was really well said oh
4: thank you yeah i think it's important when you see it's important to carve your own path and do something that nobody else is doing and then you can like you know build your passion and i don't
2: know it kind of goes back to the quote
3: we read it on the show before the show and yeah, we do have the quote that we talk about on the air a lot. I don't know the key to success, but the key to failure is trying to please everybody. Yeah, yeah. That's
4: right there. That's ex- that nailed it. Yeah. yeah.
3: And, th- and then it's go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh
4: uh, yeah. I, d- I just feel like you, you ultimately will end up in failure if you try to please other people and try to do what you think you should do. Why not just like take a chance on yourself and, do something that you want to do. People will appreciate that so much mm-hmm. more.
3: And that's authenticity is being you. And there's only one you. So be yeah. yourself. And that's what stands out. It's not when you try to be like the other person because they're the cool person and you want to be like them. Anyway, it's yeah. fun stuff to talk about. I think it's
4: just like, yeah, and you, it can get competitive. Like, you know, you see somebody doing well and you're like, oh no, like I should be doing that. But you can just appreciate that. And mm-hmm. then you can do it do your, your way. own thing. Yeah. And then it all works out.
2: All right, we're going to take a little break here and talk about some Bub's Collagen Protein. Chris, I know you got a fresh injury. What you got going?
3: Yeah, well, Jones, I just uh, obliterated my shoulder, uh, just completely exploded this thing, and I've been chugging collagen protein powder in shake form. I've been putting it in the coffee. I've been trying to get as much down the gullet as I can to come back from this injury because I know you shattered both your legs, and I heard you were chugging Bub's Collagen Protein to get back.
2: Yeah, I started Chug, and I've been consistent on it for two years now, and like it will do to your collarbone, you keep that going, keep it ingesting it, it's gonna glue those bones back together. It did my legs for sure, they were in lots of pieces, um, my right one specifically, and I avoided two surgeries that the surgeon wanted to do um, just by taking bubs and getting that bone to grow and getting some material in there so it could remodel and do its thing, so... I'm backing it. Lubes me up. Um, my gut solid. I like it. This stuff's it. proper.
3: Well, the thing is, too, we're just a couple old war dogs out there, a couple right. old battle dogs trying to trying to stay in one piece. And sometimes you need a little you need a little collagen to do that. And I know that a lot of our listeners are probably in the same boat. They're uh, you know basically a lot of a lot of Baja miles on these chassis, so. If you want to keep going, get yourself some Bubs Naturals. Uh, 10% of all profits go to charity, which is really cool. It's a company owned by a snowboarder named Sean Lake. So that's huge. Snowboarders supporting snowboarders. And lastly, if you want to pick some up, head on over to bubsnaturals.com. Use promo code BOMHOLE for 15% off. Again, all lowercase BOMBHOLE for 15% off at bubsnaturals.com. All right. I think it's a good time to get into name that video part. Here we oh go. Oh
4: no!
0: <laughs> <laughs> Should have asked this ten years ago.
3: Name that video part is presented by uh, our Patreon. We are a podcast funded by the people, you guys. So major shout out to our Patreon members. Let's give them an air horn. Now that being said, um, first things first. How are you feeling confidence level, 0 through 10?
4: <laughs> pretty low. <laughs>
3: <laughs> the oh no, <laughs> s- sinking in the chair. It's pretty good giveaway. 0 through 10, what do you got?
4: Uh,
2: four? <laughs> four. That's pretty strong, actually. Is it? Yeah. Is it?
3: Respectable, yeah. Okay, you got to throw a uh, headphone ear in. Okay. Let's see how you do. Mm-hmm. This could be big for you.
0: Here we go. To believe in the good old days, we still receive in little ways the things of kindness and unsporting brow. Forget and allow.
3: Well, uh, you're gonna have to get mad at your partner for that one because he helped me tee that up. And you know, it's
2: so funny, I- she sent me some like maybe some things she watched. I forgot to send them to him. Sorry oh. about
4: that. <laughs> um. <laughs>
3: You could maybe do like some crumbles. So it's, on, it's on him. Yeah. Is this
4: where I get to call a friend? This is a yeah, phone a friend. Phone this a friend is, a, for this hints. is like a lifeline.
3: Uh like you know who wants to be a millionaire? Yeah. yeah. I'd like to use one of my lifelines.
4: I'd like to use one of You could those. use Jeff. Jeff? I didn't hear
3: it. Well, come listen oh, to right. it. Come he, listen to it. Maybe throw the headphones on. We got Jeff Keenan in the studio live audience. Probably his today.
4: video part. <laughs> uh, <wish>. <laughs> <laughs> All right,
0: here we go. To believe in the good old days, we still receive in little ways the things of kindness.
3: It
4: seems like very vulgamy.
0: Forget that you're on the
3: you're on the right mm. track. You're you're on the right track.
4: I? I? was there. No, I wasn't there. No, you saying Oh, the ball. garden?
3: Yes, oh. you got it.
2: <laughs> that was one of the ones. Yes, yes there it is. You I got mean. it right. <laughs> That's
3: a win. That is a win. Uh, oh, you got yourself oh. a bombhole prize pack. Oh, thank you guys. I think I don't know what's in there. Jules packed that oh, thing. Sick. I packed that one. Oh you, oh, you did. Oh, it's my personal bad. Personal pack. It's a personal package. We got a bombhole nice. hat.
4: Thank you. Available guys.
3: at bombhole. We got a mug a hoodie. Use oh. promo code Leanne Pelosi forty <laughs> for forty percent off. Just kidding. That doesn't exist. <laughs> um, no, uh, but yeah, all that stuff's available. Even the satchel. It comes. Even in. the satchel. You can okay, save on. Uh, it. Plastic bags by using reusable grocery bags uh, branded by the bomb hole. So uh, That being said the second part in that video part. This is for the listeners Uh, If you guys know the the song and you recognize it Comment on our Instagram on the photo Leanne when our episode comes out and that's where we pick our winner Here we go (laughs) (laughs) Okay Thank you guys for playing Name that video
0: part. Name that
4: video part.
3: All right. Beautiful.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Would you like the second Name That Video Part song? You backing it?
4: <laughs> I back it. One of my favorite <laughs> artists.
3: Solid part. Uh, we don't want to give anything away. <laughs> but, uh, well, you know, since we're talking yeah. about video parts, I actually have a guest question from Dara Reed McLean. Ooh that we're gonna get into. Here we go. You gotta throw the headphones on one more time. Sorry about that.
4: Hi, Baumhole. Number one, Leanne Pelosi fan, Derry McLean here. Leanne, I've looked up to you since I was a teenager and there are so many questions I could ask you, but I'll try to keep this short. So first question, what made you decide to start Runway Films back in the day? La La Land and See What I See are the videos that pretty much inspired me to want to film video parts, so I'd love to hear you talk about making those. And then second question, what was it like being kissed by Justin Timberlake? Okay, thanks, Leanne. Can't wait to listen to this episode. Dara, thanks for the questions. And I guess there really wasn't much of a reason other than nobody else was going. I think Amber uh, Amber Stackhouse and Fabia Grubler had produced uh, mischief films at the time, and there were these strong female movies back in the day, and I just did not want that to end. And uh, kind of looked around, who's gonna do it? Jeff, do you want to help me make a movie? I know you have experience making movies, and we just carried the torch. I had no idea what I was getting myself into, um, and yeah, it was a lot of work making movies. You know, I usually you, you know you you've made movies, haven't you? I've yeah. been
3: partisan yeah, definitely. Not not to the extent that you have, but also the, the the fact of the matter that you direct, produce, edit, and ride. That's fucked up. Well that's a lot.
4: Um, I didn't edit those movies. Right. Ed- um Okay. But I have edited quite a bit of full moon and stuff. But um yeah, I mean I was shooting with a camera because Like, I'd grown up with cameras, so my dad always had a camera around. I knew how to operate a camera, and I was like, I'll just operate a camera. Picked one up. Was definitely not the most talented with a camera, but I knew how to make it happen. It didn't need to be, like, you know, A-grade style. I just wanted to document. So, yeah, uh, fortunately at the time, Jeff agreed to produce with me, and we started Runway Films. (laughs) Thank you, Jeff, for all your hard work. I think we broke up during <laughs> that time for a summer. It gets stressful. Like, yeah, riding in it, that's the fun part. Doing all the back-end work on the end is the hard part. And, uh, you know, like producing a film, you definitely, I mean, at that time, well, every time you produce a film, you just got to start and you don't have money and then you have to try and get the sponsorships going so that was stressful but it's so worth it and I just think it's so fulfilling being able to create something that can be a last on the shelf forever and when I look back at those films (laughs) I can't believe how far we've come it's incredible like
3: (laughs) but those are some there's some banger parts in those don't don't count yourself short
0: Yeah.
4: (laughs) yeah there was some I mean yeah there was like I remember going on a trip with uh, Natasha Zurich and uh, and Mayan and Anne Floor-Marxer and we showed up in the interior BC and Natasha Zurich, there was a huge pole, probably 25 feet tall with a big pillow of snow on top of it with a cat track gap and a huge jump that she had built and she aired and hit this pillow thing and then... Landed in this short little tranny, and that was mind blowing, and it still is. And I remember recently, Kevin Griffin was like, oh, I think I'm gonna hit this thing. I'm like, Oh, Natasha Zurich hit that. He's like, No way. What movie? I'm like, It was in the early 2000s, and it was sick. He's like, Did she go over the cat track? I'm like, Yes, she went over the cat track. It was <laughs> sick. <laughs> so, yeah, oh. there was some legit stuff.
3: Specifically, what goes into producing a movie?
4: There's. I mean it's hard to write it down on a list, but there's just organizing the crew to getting sponsorships to hiring filmers to setting up a bank account, doing expenses, doing taxes, um, all the things that require you to be on a computer and a phone constantly. So yeah, I would say yeah, producing takes away from sometimes being an athlete and that part sucks, but at the same time it just it feels so good too create something for the community of snowboarding versus doing something for yourself. It's, like, so much more fulfilling.
2: And sometimes it's not only getting sponsors, but getting them to pay, too.
4: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Getting those checks to show up. uh, Yeah, definitely. (laughs) How did
2: uh, Full Moon then become Runway?
4: Runway Films was...
2: Or Runway become... You evolved into Full Moon.
4: Yeah, so... Um, after those two films that Jeff and I produced, we were pretty like burnt out. It was full on just year, full year cycle of work, 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 work. And, um, I think we decided to take a break. I had the opportunity to film with some other film production companies and, uh, I didn't have the best experience to be honest. I felt like I worked really hard. I went to, uh, on all these jib trips and I kind of just got left in the dust. My, footage never even saw the light of day in the films and realized that you know I can just I can take back the control and have my footage it's that's my work for the season and um yeah it motivated me to start runway films full moon when full moon came to full moon came to be from just being really good friends with Annie Boulanger Marie France Jamie Anderson Robin Van Jin, um, Helen Scatini, uh Elena Height. Stacked uh,
2: crew right there.
4: Yeah. And so we were all, most of us were Ohana oh, Beeman. Um, yeah. So we were all in and around Whistler and trying to create our own reality of being these backcountry snowboarders. And they're just, it was still the era of a little bit of female tokenism. If there was a female in a snowboard movie, it would be one and that was it. So I was, I think we were all at a dinner party and I was like, what if we just like all came together and made a movie? And I wasn't sure how that was going to go, but everybody was on board. And I was like, let's just focus on having fun and like, you know, showcasing backcountry snowboarding, and I think that that was the start of the progression of what has happened in the backcountry back then. That was 2015 and 2016, and at the time, you know, we tried so hard to, like, we went out every day. We didn't have any snow the first year. We turned it into a two-year project, Um, and I remember at the time, like, Transworld, (laughs) they came to watch our movie, and I... Just don't think snowboarding was really ready for, like, line riding. And they were like, yeah, you know, like, there wasn't really that much progression. And I remember just getting so upset. And I called them, I'm like, you really have to rewrite your review. This is not okay. Um, and now that I look back, like, I felt it made me feel so shitty to feel that there was this much criticism about our riding um, but there was also so much support. We had so much support from the community. I don't want and we also had like so many Kickstarter, we had a Kickstarter and we had so many supporters that supported the project to come to life. So we were well supported, but maybe not. I didn't feel like we got that like core respect. And now that I look back at that project, I'm so proud of it. And I think that was a great starting point for where uh, the progression has happened out there. So Yeah, sometimes it's not going to be the best project right from the start, but um, that's one of the projects I'm super proud of. I have
2: a Patreon question about the project as well from Danielle Rittman. What kind of impact did Full Moon have on snowboarding, and how can the industry support more projects like it?
4: I think Full Moon was just a step in a a different direction. You know, when we talk about, like, doing what – Uh, conforming to what we see and what we think we need to do. There wasn't really an outlet for women in the backcountry realm of snowboarding at that time uh, as a whole. And so I think Full Moon helped create an opportunity for more women to get involved and see that there was a route to do that and not just the contest. So, um, yeah, I think that... At that, I would have loved to do like a full moon too. It was honestly just so much work. I was still like working on it the year after. And I think where we're at now with snowboarding, I would love to produce another film in the backcountry. I think there's a whole new crop of riders that are very well versed. You've got Zoe, Spencer, all these other, Jamie Anderson, like all of these, Haley Langland, uh, Anna Gasser, Um, Dara Reed, like, all these women that are just, like, doing it. And it would be rad to see that all come together in a film. I would love to see that. Yeah,
2: that would be be amazing.
3: And another thing, too, to talk about is the learning curve of writing lines, you know, because there's – there's a huge fucking learning curve with that. Even, you know, speaking of myself, like drop in, it's like white out myself, lose where I'm at. Like fucking, I just gave up. Honestly, I <laughs> literally gave up. I'm like, this shit's <laughs> fucked. But, uh, do you, do you want to, I'm like, I'm, there's a down bar. I can go get five clips on that. And, you know, so in that fog, up I can relate to that. And- Cause
4: it's when you're, when you're good at something like rails, you can, and you know that you can get a shot, you can stay there until you get the shot. Mm-hmm. And, in line writing, you put one down one line down it's a done. face <laughs> done mm-hmm. you're waiting till the next snowfall and so sunny
2: it's hard. day who
3: knows how long it might be up where
4: yeah. you live <laughs> yeah
3: And knowing where you're you are on the slope when you drop in you look at it from the bottom and you come down you're like wait where what am i supposed to jump up where am i this is <laughs> where this am i is oh this, i thought this was 20 feet this is 40 feet oh shit yeah so how is how is like that learning curve
4: the learning curve of riding lines is very slow and monotonous and painful. And like, you've got to put so much time into being in the mountains and just getting comfortable in riding like big terrain and riding it safely. And yeah, it's just a lot of memorization, uh, reverse memorization. You're like, hey, (laughs) where that tree is, there is a blind knoll. So I should know that it's blind, but don't don't slow down there. You know, like you have to have all these mental cues When you're riding a line, to nail it. Because if you stutter at all, it's just, like, not a shot. So, yeah, it's definitely, you got to, I think, flow, power, speed, and confidence are what you need to nail a line. And uh, it takes a long time. It's so easy to mess it up.
3: What about some of the other uh, trials and tribulations of backcountry snowboarding that maybe the average resort goer doesn't see with, like, just getting the damn snowmobiles to the fucking <laughs> okay, location yeah. can be a problem at
4: times. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was years in the making. <laughs> <that I> <laughs> years in le- the making. Just learning. <laughs> I mean, I got my snowmobile in, like, 2005, uh, kind of when Jeff and I started hanging out, and he started taking me out. And then uh, for four years, I was scared shitless of sledding. Just the thing's so heavy. <laughs> Can't move it once it gets stuck. And I remember, like, he going out for... Um, with standard films back in the day. They're like, okay, yeah, we're going to go to that cliff over there. Yeah, cool, we'll see you there. And, like, okay, I'm just getting left on my own to, like, make it there. Like, that was the thing. You just had to be good enough to make it there. Don't get stuck. Not get stuck. And and if you were, you're left behind. And, I mean, that's definitely, like, doesn't happen these days anymore with just the danger in the backcountry, but... It was. They wouldn't
2: yeah. come dig you out if you got stuck. You're on your own to no. figure it out.
4: I remember just like just okay, throwing guys, you
2: sharks.
4: I will. I will make it up there. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: Nowadays, the Whistler's pretty well paved. It gets pretty well paved, doesn't it?
4: Oh yeah, it's like fucking like i80. Backcountry is like the ski resort now. There's <laughs> definitely like enthusiasts that beat you out to lines in the morning that are just just r- enthusiasts. Rip- oh yeah, yeah. We're like, damn it! We they're came not here. shooting
2: or anything, or maybe no. they're on GoPro or something. No,
4: there's some really damn good rippers in Whistler, and we got beat by them a few times.
2: Well, they just buy a sled, so they don't have to go to the resort. Yeah, to get the best power. Yeah,
4: Whistler's busy. It's very busy, and so the backcountry is definitely. Are they?
2: Are these kind of enthusiasts safe and all that?
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Now I want to. I want to touch on. I was watching. uh one of your parts in full moon and there's like a quick clip of you getting taken down in a pretty big Abbey. And I talked to Jeff. It sounded like you, you Oh, get, uh, defiance.
4: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And
3: you, it, it kind of cut. So I didn't know. Did you get fully buried on that?
4: Oh, or was it full moon? It was full moon. Okay. Yep. Yeah. No, I, um, I got buried to like here. Wow. Um, yeah, that was, we were riding a line and, uh, there was just a wind buffed thin layer. And there was this Bergstrand mid-slope, super, um, like, you wouldn't have picked that out.
2: Can you explain what that is for the listeners? A and Bergstrand
4: viewers? is where the glacier, uh, the mountain kind of, like, recedes from the glacier or the lake or whatever, and no, it was the glacier. And uh, so it creates this hole, this gaping hole that's, like, could go all the way to the ground. And this one went all the way to the rock. It was, like, 20 feet deep. When Not I like said 40. viewers
2: and listeners, I meant myself.
4: <laughs> 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 I don't even know if I'm saying it right. Bergstrand. <laughs> There's a little burr. There's a burr.
3: Strum. <laughs> Use weird big adjectives to describe snow. <laughs> like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes,
4: yeah, so there was that, <laughs> and that created an instability because it was the the slope was unsupported then because there was this like hole. At the bottom of the slope. And so I did these like, I dug in deep, did two big turns, and then, boof, the whole slope just cracked. Uh, It wasn't very deep, but I remember seeing this hole. I had no time to think, and I just, I caught my front edge, my nose, and just flipped right over it. But then the whole slope was coming down on top of me, and so that was pretty scary. But you could have went in the hole. I could have gone in the hole. jeez. And I just made it over usually the bergstruns are higher on the top and lower on the bottom so you generally would fly over them but uh, sometimes they get big yeah and they're like catcher's mitt where it's like
2: and you don't know how deep you're they falling can be, in yeah. wow
4: yeah and and it would have been really dangerous if i fell in yeah, you need
2: someone with ropes to come in there and you talk about yeah. confidence i mean that'll shatter your backcountry confidence right there uh, when when i get an avalanche huh
4: yeah if, filmers were freaking out because they didn't really have eyes on me. And I was just like, this is happening. This is the first time this happened to me. I was like, you know, swimming can really do it. And I had got this like anchor attached to my feet. Uh, I don't think I had time. I don't even think I had like an airbag at that time. And so, yeah, I was just hoping to stay up.
3: Now, I want to talk about uh, you are a, a certified Guide here in the States, tail guide in Canada, right?
4: Oh, tail guide, yeah. I've been doing some uh, educational courses the last few years, mainly just for my own safety and being self-sufficient out there. I don't know what that will transpire into, but, um, yeah, it's been super interesting learning some snow science in Canada and taking some courses and kind of taking that path. I just feel like that's the right thing to do especially when getting into bigger terrain.
3: Yeah, well said. And then you're, you know, your friends' lives are in better hands by doing that, right? That's the thing you don't think about is like you're dependent on how fast your friends can dig you out and know how to use their equipment, whether you live or die in a lot of those situations.
4: Yeah, it really helps to do training, and I definitely commend Baldface for doing that uh, avalanche safety course that twice as well it's just the more practice you get the better you are like I've been in a position when I was with Victor Delarue and Jake Wilvelt, and we had quite the spicy trip in Whistler for this North Face movie Defiance and uh, I witnessed I thought I was witnessing Victor get into an avalanche and not make it out he went over something so big probably 60 feet of like three cliffs disappeared we saw a Two avalanche uh, paths go down. We didn't know which one he was. And in my head, it was just like all these things come to mind. And it's like, okay, this training has helped because I know what I'm going to do next. Eyes on him. We were communicating like we were ready to go. And then we see him pop out at the last second, this orange little speck. And he had triggered his airbag and gets on the mic. He's like, I thought I was going to die. I'm like, (laughs) We did too. Wow, <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> so oh That's terrifying! Crazy,
2: two different Abbey paths like that. Wow.
4: Yeah, it was just a really big unsupported slope with cliffs all below it, and he was riding these nice lot li- this nice line, and and then it just went. The storm slab went deep, and it went over the cliffs, and it was kind of just like undulating terrain. So it went in two different directions. That was really scary. Because we had two problems then, Yeah. Which w whi- and it was just Jake and I at the top. Wow. And we were kinda like, okay, where are you gonna go? Where am I gonna go?
2: So you would have just split up. That would have been kinda, an option, huh? Yeah.
4: That's
2: that's, that's hectic. Scary. And then yeah.
3: Heli and then and the Heli, there's a photographer, filmer, uh they were just thing. off on different oh, they were barbies. like across the valley. Yeah. So you yeah. guys yeah. would have
2: been the fastest to
3: get to them, huh? Yep. Hectic. Alright, we're gonna take a quick break and talk to you guys about spyoptic.com. Now, summer is almost here, and you know what you need for summer is some eye protectors, some sunglasses. So, good news is Spy has all kinds of new killer styles out there to keep you looking fresh all summer long. You can shop the new 70s inspired hotspot and the 90s inspired hangout, both made from 50% plant-based materials along with the entire sunglass line at spyoptic.com. Best part is, we got a promo code for you. Use code BOMBHOLE15, BOMBHOLE15, all capitals, 1-5 at checkout, and you will save 15% off your entire purchase. So why not support a brand that supports the show and head on over to spyoptic.com com use promo code bombhole fifteen. Well, buds, I think it could be a good time to transition to do the uh, the pub beer crapshoot. What Let's do you think about that? Do it. Okay. Well, uh, you're gonna crack a pub beer. Cracked. Consider it cracked. It, yeah, we'll consider that thing cracked. Now, if you're thinking about... Uh, how is it, first of all? It's
2: delicious. It's cheap, fun, and delicious. They should add delicious to the end.
3: Mm-hmm. Now, our, our kind of motto that we've uh, taglined here is, if you're thinking about getting absolutely fucking obliterated and drinking uh, 75 beers, or drinking one or two casually, what, what are you going to choose? <laughs> you're going to choose pub beer every time. That's, like, that's absolutely correct. Uh, again, do that responsibly, I have to say, for uh, legal reasons. So, um, basically... With uh, Pub Beer Crapshoot, you just roll these dice right here. We'll tell you what you got to do. Okay. The six is Goon Gear. So
2: goon gear. We got an 11.
3: Oh, this is a good one. If you had to be Siamese twins with one person in the industry, who would you pick to be stuck with?
4: <laughs> hmm. Good question. Who could I... Um, You know what? I would be stuck to Jamie Anderson. Ooh. I would love to get into her mind.
3: You get dragged off some massive <laughs> kickers.
4: She just and we're so- double corking. <laughs> yeah. And we're double corking. And yeah, we're going to do a double cork 10 and then do a 9 and then we'll get pretty dizzy there. Yeah. <laughs> It sounds
3: stressful at the yeah. top of the Olympics and everything else. Like, okay. That's a stressful journey. Hang on. We're about to drop.
4: But somehow she always seems so zen. Yeah,
2: she's so casual, huh?
4: Yeah, she's definitely one of the greats.
2: She is. So this is from Seth Mo- Seth Milana. What advice could you give a Pops to his daughter on being supportive and cultivating the snowboard culture?
4: First of all, thanks for the question. and. You are on the right track in supporting your daughter in snowboarding. I think that's rad because I actually did not have the support of my parents. They were like, get back to school. <laughs> Would have been really nice to have that support. Um, but, yeah, just I think let her carve her own path through snowboarding. And and there's not just one way into becoming successful in snowboarding. It's a lifelong sport and it's a journey and, and she can – compete or she can go into the backcountry there's so much to offer and I feel like we get our best life experiences through being a part of this community and it's the best community I've ever found so I would say just be there for her and support everything that she wants to do
2: solid answer that is a great answer what do your parents say now
4: well they're pretty happy we're expecting they did not think that that was going to happen they didn't even think that
2: would be a thing with your lifestyle
4: no uh so my parents are pretty happy they just can't believe that snowboarding keeps going on and on and on and to be honest like either can I I'm so grateful that I've been able to have longevity in this sport um but I would attribute that just to the fact that like I was saying before is there's so many aspects to snowboarding and so many different directions you can go in. Um, the key to having longevity is just evolving, and I definitely feel like the sky is the limit in in backcountry snowboarding. So
3: that's awesome. And that you look at your career; you're coming up on two decades, and that's you know I had some notes I wanted to talk about about that too. Is like you just you've reinvented yourself from jib jib jams to park riding. <laughs> To video parts to backcountry and and uh, yeah, I don't know. I just want to kind of highlight that because th- does that keep it fun when you're when you're doing something new and you're evolving?
4: Thank you for those comments. I yeah, I think it's just like it's just really fun to always build on. Like you've you do something and then you like look around. And, oh, there's this other thing to do. Like I just think um, yeah. It gets. I. I don't think I could have been hitting the streets until uh, this point. See, that's you know, you know that, yeah. that's
3: where I, you and I differ. I want to be like 80 years old on a street trip. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just that's like epic. Just kind of like back tacoing handrails was like gray <laughs> you hair. Can't you know? be
2: like 80 and progressing, <laughs> but you could be up ripping powder lines at that's not point. 80, but.
4: Yeah. I mean, it's also what's accessible to you. Like, you've got the most amazing arena for street riding probably right around here and all around the states like where I live in Whistler what stands out is the backcountry and so for me to go on a rail trip I'd have to go to Montreal and yeah I just I've like somehow stepped away with that but I do appreciate watching and seeing the progression of it so cool
2: when I take it back, Mikey's out there progressing. That's Mikey true. Mikey LeBlanc. I saw yeah. some clips.
4: <laughs> really? From,
2: he's got a video part coming out that is uh going to be amazing.
4: Oh, he's so creative I yeah. love watching him ride. I An-
2: saw a little sneak preview of He's got heaters. He's got heaters. Another thing Jeremy Dude's Jones said cuz we were too. talking
3: about uh all uh our AB uh, ABDs already been done Already tricks. been done. And apparently uh Jeremy said that uh mm-hmm. all ABDs are reset once you get past 40. 40, yeah. Oh, it's true. full, so full so you, reset. You, it's a full <laughs> ABDs are reset. Full so reset. spots so, like, are open. Jeremy was Jeremy <laughs> said he's like all right, when that kid turns 40 that's upset, tell him to go to that spot yeah. and do, his, do that same Let's trick when he's, he's in feeling. his 40s. Come <laughs> yeah. talk to
4: me. <laughs> and see if he's still got it. <laughs> and those are
3: true words right there. <laughs> another thing, going back to the the, the 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 advice for the parent, I think there's another, uh, I got another angle I'd like to go where you you actually are really hard on them and you actually disapprove <laughs> of everything they're doing. Ooh. And then they become professional athletes out of pure spite. Reverse psychology. Yeah, and oh, it, true. It, yeah, you no. Kind of you, you make them like never give them any approval. So then they're always looking for that, yeah, and then like they're struggling. They're struggling, like please, Dad, like. Approve of what I'm approve doing? My, and, and my like I lip. just won the Olympics. You're like, nope, not good enough. You know, and then they become great. You got silver, you could have got gold. Like
4: that's the kind of parenting that I got. <laughs> <laughs> look how it worked
3: out. See, look how it worked out. Worked out great. boarding is a is a thing for sure. Yep. There's just a couple different avenues you can yeah. go with that. Your parents never liked your back lips. Actually, I did have supportive parents. I think that's why I'm not a I'm not a great. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you, you could have been great. I could have been great. They were too, they were too supportive. That a they damn said problem. you are
4: awesome yeah. <laughs> all the time.
3: I'm, I'm fucking resentful at them for
4: that. <laughs> <laughs> you really I feel could bad, have been
3: one of the greats. <laughs> yeah, <I could've. laughs> no, they said what you're doing's fine, you know. Yeah. And just, it was not true. It's not <laughs> yeah, good yeah, you, were you
4: are successful. You are successful.
3: Actually, I, see, I wake up in the morning. I do my mirror uh, <laughs> shadow Puking boxing. In the mirror? I do my shadow boxing, and then I, then I projectile vomit <laughs> then I projectile directly projectile, into projectile the puke at myself. It's, it's my morning routine. <laughs> Speaking of projectile vomit, vomiting, I know. Uh, <coughs> with, how's the the pregnancy stuff been going? <laughs> Gentile vomiting. I've heard. I'm I'm not well versed, but I heard that's a thing oh, that happens.
4: Yeah, it's a thing, and <laughs> I have had it bad.
3: Damn.
4: Yeah, it's it's usually only lasts uh, twelve weeks. I'm at six and a half months and still feeling sick. So it's really, just, yeah, it's just it's like if I do not eat, then I'm in for it. Like it's, I wake up at four in the morning usually and have cereal or go downstairs and eat pizza and then and I'll go back to bed. I do that too. I'm not <laughs> pregnant. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think I had some fruity pebbles last
4: night
0: at <laughs> three in the morning.
4: <laughs> oh man, I feel like I got a lot of work to do this summer after car bloating for six and a half months. <laughs> Any uh, wild <laughs> cravings? I've been craving oranges. Oranges. And then if I eat the oranges, the baby kicks like crazy right really? after. It's like, this isn't my craving. This is yeah, his craving. That's what you want. Yeah. That's what, that's what, what you want. want. Now so, the yeah. kick,
3: you think you, you think we're gonna Or we're, maybe it's a kick of enjoyment. A kick of like maybe Thank a you. potential soccer. Star? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is <laughs> yeah. that there's some soccer, soccer genes coming out? Well, we I don't want know. this baby to be uh, an athlete. Are we were talking soccer, are we talking snowboarding, what I we?
4: think we're talking surfing and snowboarding and wow. skateboarding. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah, get the kid Little on hockey. some Get him so on locker. some human growth hormone is, at a young age. So is they the just, baby uh, going to be like on trips huge. right out the womb or what?
4: Baby's been on trips in the womb. Or in the womb, uh, out the
2: womb, all of it.
4: Baby almost competed in natural selection. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, <laughs> 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 I was this close to deciding to ride. It was up was, to
2: you? It was just like whatever well, you decide? Tra-
4: yeah, they, they were like, they were actually super cool. I called them a few weeks before and told them and they were like,
2: like, like, I would whoa. love to
4: have the the ball in my court to decide if I want to compete or not. And Liam was like, "Oh yeah, for sure." He's like, "I told Travis it's all good." He's like, "I didn't tell him which girl was pregnant." I'm like, "You should probably just tell him because he's gonna freak out and wonder who is." Yeah. But uh, no, I I showed up to the natural selection and and he was being so positive. Travis, he's like, "It's gonna. I think the course is gonna ride well." And I was like, "Yeah." And then we went and did course inspection. And I was like, I don't think this is safe.
2: Yeah, six months along?
4: No, I was wait that was a few months Five,
2: ago. Oh, uh, a few months ago, honey, right, The first one. It was
4: like just in the, the golden Jackson. the golden trimester, as yeah. they say. It was like yeah, Jackson Hole. Yeah, but, so that uh, was a couple months ago. As soon huh? as I thought saw Dustin Craven was the first athlete to drop in, I was like, Oh god, like I'm so glad I didn't compete in that. That I wouldn't wouldn't have been safe. And then when I got home, I went to Alaska on a trip. We got skunked. Feel like the universe was like, you are not sending it. The this universe year.
2: is trying to chill you out.
4: Yeah, because I got home and I found out I had um, a condition called placenta previa. So if you land hard on your butt, you could just uh, bleed out. It would be really bad for the girl or for the mom and the. So you're probably baby. supposed
2: to like chill mostly.
4: Kind of yeah. yeah I've been snowboarding and you're like a little just
2: bit. Out I can't
3: imagine violently tomahawking being great for a yeah. pregnancy. No. <laughs> and what's Dad say about all this stuff?
4: I mean, he was. Pretty Has he been
3: trying to keep you
2: chill, or is he just like, ah, eh, whatever?
4: No, he was supportive. He was like, I think, like, I think, he's like, if you're going to d-
2: enter natural selection, win. <laughs> <laughs> it's win or nothing.
4: I mean, I was feeling pretty good physically. I wouldn't have done it if I didn't feel good physically. But I just the condition. It had to been like really safe. Yeah,
2: like extremely buttery yeah. pow and.
4: Yeah, and it just wasn't lining up. So, kind of had to accept that. It's, it's better to sad. err on the side of caution. Totally. Yeah. So, yeah. It's been difficult not, you know, like I don't feel injured, but I know I've got to like be yeah, really you safe. Chill. Yeah. Season's almost done. I know. I know.
3: Soon you guys are going to be leaving the hospital. You guys are going to have a little baby. <laughs> that's like, that's be crazy. fucking wild.
2: little bundle, huh? bundle yeah. of joy.
3: A
0: bundle of joy or bundle I think of joy? I would say bundle. But bundle.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Bindle's more of a drug reference. Oh, <laughs> all right. You got that wrong.
4: <laughs>
0: Oh, they don't, don't really know.
3: prepare you you guys
2: have been reading books yeah they what don't really prepare doing? they just kind of send you home with a kid huh
4: <laughs> my friend gave me a book it's wh- they send you home with a book
2: oh they do like, here you go <laughs> yeah
4: good luck it's called baby's best chance <laughs>
2: <laughs> <And> baby's <laughs> best chance that's what it's called <laughs> gotta
0: so, pick that up. baby's only chance I've been,
4: yeah. <laughs> I've been flipping through that and uh colleen quigley actually mailed me a book she just went through motherhood. Please.
2: But just every, uh, in Canada, every hospital gives you the baby's best chance book. That's a thing.
4: I think so. I don't know. I haven't done it yet. Yeah, so you'll we'll see find if out. Yeah, but she's like, you should read this before you have the kid. And so Jeff has read it. He's a pretty good at reading, and I've just been kind of like flipping through it. <laughs> Give me the I really notes. do need to. Yeah,
2: read it and let me know what they're saying. Yeah. <laughs> Is there an audio version maybe? You catch that?
4: Uh, yeah. I've been listening to podcasts. Baby podcasts. I'm yeah, sure there's I a million. Huh? I, w- I was not prepared for the. It was a surprise. And so it was definitely not prepared. And I still feel unprepared. I'm like, it was oh, a no.
2: surprise. Were you nervous at first with your career and everything?
4: Yeah. I I was definitely like, oh, my God. Do we want kids? Do we, like, what do we want to do? I had, like, a little bit of a life crisis I would say the first, you get like three months to figure it out because three months are the most vulnerable time mm-hmm. of pregnancy and there's so many things that can go wrong and you have to make all these milestones and we did all the testing, all the things and we're like, okay, if it's healthy, then we're definitely pulling through with this and sure enough, it was, and so we're like, all right, we're doing this. It's and I'm, on. <laughs> yeah, and so I... I kept it quiet for a little bit. I had a big uh, North Face event, and everybody was drinking. And everybody's was like, why aren't you drinking? And <laughs> Jess Kimura calls me out at Sushi Village. She's like, what, did you find God or something? And I was like... They're just tripping. No, I'm You're just, not drinking. I'm just on medication. <laughs> <laughs> <And then laughs> it was so awkward. And, and then I called uh, my sponsors after, and they're like, we knew it. We knew you were pregnant. I'm like, you did not... You're all on
2: medication. It says not to drink on the bottle. It can cause dizziness.
4: (laughs) It is a bit odd for me not to partake in drinking at a big dinner. So, yeah, people are on to me. But, um, yeah, no, as far as sponsors go, I told everybody and everybody's been pretty supportive. And I feel like this pregnancy has definitely brought me closer to Kimi Fasani and Maria Thompson and trying to ask them for mentorship about how to navigate being a pro in snowboarding and keep the career going. So Kimmy definitely had some, like, really good advice, and she's a part of this organization called And Mother Organization. And um, they, what they do is they provide verbiage to go into your contract that protects you as a pregnant athlete. So.
2: Wow, that's awesome. That's yeah. badass.
4: That's really yeah. cool.
2: I didn't know that existed. That's great for <laughs> other people to hear, I'm sure too. Yeah.
4: I think it's just it's good to be like, you know, I kind of didn't know if we should like keep it private, and then I was like, you know what? We shouldn't keep this private. We should let everybody know because it would be nice to normalize being an athlete and and being pregnant and also uh wanting to have a family and continue the professional athlete career. And uh so, yeah. trying to share
3: that's a real that's a real thing uh with with women like when they're like i have kids like my career what it's gonna end you know and and not not as much for for dudes you know and that's a really cool thing to just highlight because it's like you know i talked to that with my my girlfriend leah about that she's a big concern of hers it's like we have kids what am what am i gonna is my career you know and i think that's so cool the contract negotiations where you can keep that intact
4: yeah it's super important. I don't know like for for the most part of my career, I never even considered having a family because it wasn't a thing. It was you're either a snowboarder, you're not gonna have or if you're gonna be a mom, you're piecing out and until Kimi Fasani came around recently and continued her her career, I think it's kind of opened everybody's eyes and like, yeah, I definitely waited to the last minute to do it. But I'm super stoked that these women have paved the way for me to be able to continue my career. And, um, yeah, I'm planning on, (laughs) I guess, just continuing. Like, it's not like I'm losing my passion for snowboarding or my ability. Like, it's just I'm out for a little bit. And then we'll be back with a little. ACL or something. (laughs) <laughs> it's like nine months yel reconstruction, but I can even do more than that. <laughs> really like bad, I can actually, really bad be, <laughs> like I can still be in the mountains, which is sweet. So You're you still be, hellion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I can still ride powder. It just has to be really mellow, and I can't fall. But so it's it's a little bit better than the yel rest- yeah, reconstruction. Mm-hmm.
3: That's a true story. Well, I I want to get into a hard hitting topic here. Hard hitting. <laughs> now. um you know, I think it's cool when I look at yourself and Jeff, you guys have a cool relationship. He seems very supportive. Uh, he's helped produce films. You guys have a little baby on the way. Uh, do you have any little nuggets of information for a uh, good good relationship advice? Do you have any relationship advice for maintaining a, a good relationship?
4: Yeah, I would say that the most important thing that I've learned for keeping this relationship strong, is to have our own independence. And Jeff and I have always been really respectful of each other's careers, hobbies, all the things. Um, So when he has to go on a trip or do something with his friends, he does that. And, like, I think that's kind of kept the fire lit for us for so long.
2: Yeah, there must be a lot of travel, right?
4: Yeah. and For both of you guys. Jeff was, like... Severely busy with dinosaurs will die for so many years, um, and I, I think like there was a point where I was like, I'm just waiting for you to like be free so that we can go somewhere. He's like, Babe, you can go on a trip anytime you want, and I was like, Oh, I can, and I feel like that was the moment, the aha moment. I was like, Okay, yeah, you know, the more independence we ha- we are able to have while being in the relationship, uh, the stronger it's become. We're just, yeah, we're so trusting of each other. That is, a
3: yeah, that's great. really, 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 really good advice. Because I think that that most listeners, myself included, being a listener currently, uh, like, can learn a lot from that. Because there is that that independence where, yeah, you don't realize, oh, I can go on vacation without my significant other. Or work, yeah, be, the independence thing is just a great.
4: Yeah, and sometimes, I mean, last year Jeff and I worked together. For the first time, well, not for the first time, but it was, uh, it was, the, it was just us two. He was filming and I was riding, and I kept checking in with him. I'm like, okay, you don't don't feel like you have to film me because you don't have to film me. If you want to, like, I love this. We're having fun. We would switch off cameras. I'd make sure to take the camera, and he'd go ride a line, and so we we kept it fun, and that definitely, I think kept our season going pretty strong last year. It was like one of the best seasons I've ever had.
2: And the communication sounds like it was really good, huh? If you're yeah. checking in with them like that. Yeah. That's crucial, trust communication.
4: Yeah. And so now that I'm a little bit out, Jeff's gone on to film other crews this year and he's loving that. So it's good to see him with just doing his own thing.
3: Amazing. Now I want to kind of get back into thing. Maybe not everybody knows that you direct and produce like not just snowboard films, but also like commercials and things like that. Is that what it is?
4: I did after full moon, um, had a lot of opportunity come my way and I wasn't seeking it out, but I definitely took some opportunities and I, yeah, I was really fortunate. I got to do some dream projects, got to direct a skateboard, um, like TV show, like a cartoon um, with all the best skaters, like Leo Baker and Nora Vasconcellos and um, Carabeth Burnside and badass <laughs> yeah. skaters. It was so fun. I lived in Hollywood for a month wow. and and just interviewed them, and that was like a really fun experience. Um, and then, yeah, I, I went to uh, – uh, I went to New Zealand with Chloe Kim and did a piece for her for Samsung for the upcoming Olympics before she won her first gold. And that was really fun. And I think all these opportunities have come through just the female empowerment side of Full Moon and and, uh, these media companies looking for a female director. So I've been super fortunate and had a lot of fun doing these side projects um yeah, and then another big project that I did was uh produced a Audi commercial for Audi Canada for the e-tron. And uh I don't know. I got to hire like third a crew of 30. It was like a big production. It was super stressful for 3 days, but uh the crew nailed it and I just hired everybody that was like really on point. And uh it's been yeah.
3: Now Jeff said it was a bit of a love-hate relationship. What? With uh, directing, producing, things like that.
4: Well, really?
3: Oh, shit.
4: Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's maybe.
3: I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Well,
4: I think it's, a, it's directing and producing. It takes a lot. It's a lot of work. <laughs> uh, but I, I appreciate the extra work that comes my way because I feel like Jeff and I are a little bit of a, like, we're hustlers and we've got these, like, all these other side projects. Oh, the puppies are
3: in. Uh, the uh, dogs are yeah. entering. Yes, Phil, the Phil knows how to open doors. It's like, uh, you know, when they discover the velociraptor can open doors in Jurassic Park? <laughs> That's what's going on yeah. here. Like, <laughs> they're like, <laughs> hey, Phil do you figured have that any out. more treats.
4: Yeah. <laughs>
2: Sticks his little head in. Yep.
4: All the directing and producing stuff, like the side projects that I've had outside of snowboarding, have landed in the summer. So it's been super fun to fill my summer with work like that especially dream projects, working in action sports. But when it comes to producing films in snowboarding, it definitely does. I do have a love-hate relationship with it because it takes away from being a professional snowboarder. Um, There's just so much work that goes into it. And um, it's a thankless job. And sometimes it's just hard when you're, like, supposed to be in the mountains, but you're, like, trying to, you know... Uh, wrangle all the cats together and try to get them to like be together and do something productive. And it's just, yeah, it's a lot.
3: There's no uh, discounting how much bandwidth is required to manage human beings.
4: <laughs> it is a full time job. A 30
3: person crew
2: with that yeah. Audi commercial? That sounds crazy.
4: <laughs> it was crazy, but I hired all the right people and they yeah. were all self sufficient. Yeah.
2: Was-, was there any action sports tied to that or was just a straight up Audi commercial?
4: It was. Uh, no, there was action sports. There was Leah Dawson surfing, Jamie Anderson, Marie France, uh, myself. We're all kind of athletes in it. That's cool. And we did this kind of soul recharge idea. It was for the electric car. And we went out to Tofino and we filmed a little surf, like a little surf fun mini getaway vacation kind of thing. Nice. I surfed yeah.
2: Tofino once. That place is dope. Full wetsuit. Yeah. Woo. Yeah, it's beautiful. Ice cream right. headaches as you're duck diving. <laughs>
4: Yeah, it's pretty cool. you yeah. got to have a 5'4". <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah it Was that was...
2: Did they break off a car for you after?
4: No, but they showcased that uh, when you got into the YVR airport. It was like on this huge really? big screen. Yeah, You'd see cool. your work. That's cool. Yeah, and then they did an interview with us in their Audi magazine.
3: That's awesome. Yeah. Killer. Well, we almost skipped over uh, another guest question I have. This one is presented by Mountain Dew. We have uh, Mountain Dew Athlete showcasing this guest question and this one's from red gerard here we go
2: what snowboard video part would you guys describe as the all-time best
4: a good question red yeah thanks for that question red um all-time best video part i don't think there's a best video part out there so much to take away from every video part that's ever been done that's that's an impossible question to answer (laughs) um (laughs) Ugh. I, one of the video parts that I was most influenced by was Tara I think stand and deliver I don't know it's when she was doing all the backflips
3: it's a really good part mm-hmm.
4: um she was just so ahead of her time and yeah she was such a punk rock uh no rules attitude snowboarder and I just loved everything that she was doing at the time and that was one of the most influential parts for me. But best video part ever? I have no idea. <laughs> I, like,
3: I think Teratikia Stand and Deliver is yeah. a great answer. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I back that. Uh, I think it's a good time to get into Hot Takes. What do you guys think? I think it's time. <laughs> okay, Hot Takes is presented by Oakley Goggles. Uh, I always run the Line Miners. They're classic. You see Sage running those, Rene Renacongas. Uh I run the Mod 5 Helmet, too, new to the helmet game. Uh, solid Helmet. So that being said, uh, we like to start this thing off with the MJ of snowboarding, both male and female. Who you got?
4: MJ of snowboarding, female. I think that's an easy answer for me. I would say Jamie Anderson. Just since the early 2000s, holding up strong at the top of her game. And I just don't see her slowing down anytime soon. So Jamie Anderson for women and... For men, it's really hard for me. I don't know. There's so many goats, but uh, Gigi Ruff, his creativity in snowboarding shines, and he was a super big inspiration. That's a
3: great That's a answer. Great answer. Yeah, he probably doesn't get the he doesn't get the shine he mm-hmm. deserves and on our show for that. Um, I like that answer. Uh, we got a new one. We started asking who's the most underrated.
4: Underrated female: Dare Reed. <laughs> Uh, there's so many under. I feel like all of Canada is underrated. <laughs> <laughs> the whole country of snowboarders. <laughs> I would
3: <laughs> second that. Yeah,
2: they don't always get the shine they deserve.
4: Yeah. Also, you know who Snowboarding I really appreciate, uh, Elias Allhart. Um, yeah, he's so good. I love following him.
3: He got some great projects online. Uh, we got another one. We like to ask uh, highbacks over. The pants or pants over the high backs?
4: You know what? I don't even I don't even pay it, attention if my pants are over or under. You don't. Then I that they're means that they're, 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 under. Under. they're
2: under the high backs. You're not paying attention actively, when they're under. You'd have to actively put, em, yeah, oh, put okay, them over. Yeah, it's a then whole then process under. to yeah. go over. I've never done it personally. What? Never put mine over the Yeah, head head I've head head never head been over the, the high back.
3: But people do it. That's kind of OG when people are rocking them over the high backs. That's like some some old school back in the day jeremy jones and you watch like old um is that where you see it you can see like there's there's tons of pros like um uh, jp solbert or like Mm. kind of that era there there's guys that used to rock it um if you watch old MacDog videos now next question who's got the best style on a snowboard
4: i'm gonna have to say zoe has the sickest style i've seen in a long time she's just insane i love watching her snowboard
3: I love it. That's a solid answer. Uh, and then we got uh, we got another one. If you could go heli boarding with three people in the world, just fun times. You're going to cruise some pow turns, have a good time with some buds or whoever you want to take, celebrities, doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> who are who you taking? Who are you going with?
4: Um, who am I taking? Hmm. Jeff, obviously. I'd be taking Jeff. Um
3: it would actually be amazing if you didn't take Jeff. He's sitting here in the audience. He's right
0: here.
4: <laughs> 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 Do I need to act heli? <laughs> 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 um, who else would I take? Um, probably Marie France and Spencer, the current crew I'm shredding with all the time.
3: So you get the dream you get the dream heli on the red. Dream Heli every day for you, huh? Yeah. Just go. No, one, not every
4: day. <laughs> Once a year. Once oh, a year? Barely. I mean, yeah. yeah the
3: budgets aren't. Once what every few they were. No, yeah, no, they're not. We, we had young Dolly on the show. We asked him who he'd take, he said Mike Tyson. <laughs> yeah, he was putting Mike Tyson in the heli.
4: <laughs> oh, famous people. Yeah, what about oh. famous? Who you got for
3: famous heli? Stevie Nicks would be a yes, great. Yes, Stevie she, Nicks put her in the Santa
4: heli. Gold. Um, who else?
2: Uh I imagine Santa Gold shreds, huh? With her. Stevie H yeah. Santa Gold and Mike Tyson would be, Mike a T- <laughs> <laughs> be a great crew. good heli. Yeah, I don't know who else. Mike Tyson, boxing gloves on.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Amy Schumer.
0: Oh, oh, there it
3: is. Keep yeah. it, keep it humor, humor going. Yeah, Helly. Yeah, I, I don't know how they do on slope. I think Santa Gold could probably <laughs> hold it down, but I'm not sure. How yeah, I think Santa Gold.
4: Uh, and that's Santa, it. Is, yeah.
3: Okay, last one we got. Worst trend in in snowboarding, or in life, for that matter. Take it however you want.
4: I just never understood the rolling of the pants over the boots. Mm-hmm. Isn't the point of the boots to get covered? Or sorry, isn't the point of rolling your pants over your boots to not get the snow? I, it bugs me so much getting snow in my shoes. So I would have to say that.
3: Another respectable answer. Because mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: the people that do that, they're obviously not walking around in deep powder.
4: No, they're definitely not. Because yeah, <laughs> they're going to have a
2: rough day.
3: So, uh, we got to talk about one more thing, too. Uh, saltwater Retreat? <clears throat> yeah. That's, that's what it's called, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. What's, what is what is it?
4: Saltwater Retreat, it's uh, Jeff and I, we bought this land in Euclid, BC, which is very close to Tofino on the west coast, uh, little fishing town, and... We're building a little retreat, like 400-square-foot cabins. Um, we started with two 400-square-foot cabins, and we've got a sauna and Japanese ofuro tubs. It's definitely a little bit of a shit show right now, but it's, like, just finished, and we really need to go over there and landscape it all and get it going. But it's going to be our summer project, and we're hoping to spend our summers out there and operating the saltwater retreat.
2: Those Japanese tubs are awesome, huh?
4: They're so awesome. Yeah, what,
3: What's the goal of the retreat?
4: You know what? I don't have a specific goal with it, but I'd love to be open to all the ideas, and people have been reaching. I started a social media account for it, and um, people have been reaching out to host retreats, and I'd love to do events and host people. And um, The original idea was just to be a retreat for creatives. I thought it was always going to be a rad idea to edit a movie out while you're surfing and kind of have all the set up for that. So yeah, eventually it'd be sick to have like a full editing studio out in in Yuki so we can work and surf. Yeah. (laughs) How many
2: cabins do you aspire to build there?
4: We can build four cabins. Four total. Plus a house.
2: Wow. That's sick.
4: It's crazy. Yeah. We're definitely maxed out with what we've got going on right now, but starting small is the goal and we have finished the two cabins and they're looking pretty sick i'm so excited to share this with all the friends
3: so that actually sounds like a pretty incredible dream life if you really talk about mm-hmm. the the producing of a movie or an editing there where you're like all right i'm gonna go film snowboard project all year and then in the summer i'm gonna go to my retreat and i'm <laughs> gonna surf And I'm going to sit in saunas and, like, stretch and do yoga and eat, like, crunchy granola food and shit (laughs) and edit a movie with the creative juices flowing like the salmon of the Capistran.
4: That sounds pretty
3: incredible. You explained
4: it better than I could. I feel
3: like
4: like it's so stressful that you have to balance it off with the zen life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's where that mix comes in. Yeah. Maybe you guys
3: could do some ecstatic dance And like uh, <laughs> I've dance. seen the thing where people They just like go and they scream Have you ever seen that? Like people start yelling and stuff
0: <laughs> Really? Yeah oh, just it's like a, a really like next level Like yeah. you got like
3: yoga Then you got like ecstatic dance And then you got like People like s- Emotionally yelling I've seen So that's just like screaming, going If you crazy. go to the deep wormhole of like uh,
0: Self so Check self that out type <laughs> <of
3: stuff. laughs> yeah.
4: And there's a good wave there too <laughs> There's so many good waves there. No, there's no good waves anywhere. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's all right but, to say it up there
2: because that cold water. It's not like everyone's running up from California to
4: yeah. Put on that it's definitely wetsuit. It's definitely gotten warmer in the last few years. Like it was like 30 degrees Celsius on the beach last year. It was super nice, and um, Jeff and I have gotten into free diving and spearfishing. So we've been like. Yeah, it's just, it's magical.
2: See any sharks in that cold water?
4: There are sharks off the continental shelf. You got to go like two hours west of of uh, the coastline. Where the
2: shelf drops, huh? Yeah. And, and then it out. turns
4: into warm, like turquoise blue water. Oh, really? And way warmer. Yeah, it's really cool. That's cool. It's where you go fish for tuna. Mm. Yeah.
3: Cool. we like to uh, always ask our guests about their setups that they're riding, their snowboard um yeah what do you what are you riding what are the the board the angles the bindings the edge tuning all the the whole gamut
4: all right um I'm riding the party platter which is right behind me and it's a 151 and I usually go 15 degrees to the north whatever and then negative three in the back
2: to the north, I like that. Yeah, start using it. <laughs> I'm gonna start using West, it. I go northern. I don't know what I'm talking
3: about. <laughs> I go northern 15. On.
4: <laughs> I tried. I tried posy posy. Like, Canadian thing. <laughs> I don't north?
3: know. Is it like a, it's like you guys call beanies toques. It's yeah. like a toque, basically.
2: Type I do of uh, 15 degrees
4: Leandings. north. I don't know what I'm talking about. But I I tried posy posy this winter, and I was like, ooh, it's not for everyone, huh? Mm, I need to do less posy. I think Le- I did like posy six, and then 15. And it's like. Gotta be way more cranked on the front foot. Yeah, I'm just kinda like figuring that out. You ever done both?
3: I'm not. That's no. I don't no I don't do that. <laughs> Possi posi on the rails. I keep it OG. <laughs> <laughs> on the steel. I keep it OG with very minimal angles. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to stay horizontal on the board. Yeah. I'm not trying to look like a freaking bank slalom racer going down <laughs> in some hard boots. Um so although I will say You ever that ridden that hard boots? I haven't. I out amazing it's pretty but, fun actually yeah
2: i haven't done it since i was like 15 or 16 but it's fun
3: we got to get you we should maybe edit, edit it
2: that but we should try to get those out again get buds days. just ripping turns <laughs> yeah. on some park boots i'd love to
3: watch that now uh so as far as the board is it like reverse is it a pow floater is it a park What's
4: it's a pow floater it's uh flat camber and with a rise on the nose it's super setback Uh, Barely any tail. Perfect for cruising in the trees and floating on in deep pow. It's more of like a pow board versus a resort board.
2: I like the name, the party platter. Yeah.
4: It's a good name. It's so fun, and it's just so floaty, and you can literally hit anything, and you always land on that board. I don't know. I love this board.
3: Now, for your tuning, you like to wax? You like to mess with your edges?
4: No, I don't do anything. Right.
3: (laughs) <laughs> no waxing, huh?
4: I'm, no. You just pull I out mean, a fresh board
2: when it needs j- to be waxed? You're like, yeah.
4: No, d- no. I'll, <laughs> I'll rock a board for like two seasons. Yeah, two seasons. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I, I didn't get like the the newest party platter, so I've been rocking this one up until this point. When we just actually started writing some new shapes at K2. Um, Jay Stone's been making lots of cool new shapes.
3: Now, that one, non-gender specific or just.
4: Whatever. This one's non-gender specific, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah.
3: Now, uh, that, I mean, it makes sense if you don't wax. I mean, you're riding big lines. Like, you, if anything, you want to lose speed. Yeah, I, would, I would be out there maybe that just on the <laughs> stairs, like, <laughs> scraping my thing so I don't, you and know. Just go slower and digest <laughs> yeah. your line a lot yeah. easier. <laughs> yeah. Except makes if sense. you're
4: caught into an avalanche, you're like, oh, man, I should have waxed my board. <laughs> <laughs> when you're trying to
3: outrun the avalanche?
4: Yeah. <laughs>
3: true. So you got some current projects you've been working on and stuff. Do you want to elaborate on any of those?
4: Yeah. um, So this last winter, I worked with two different projects. One was Fabric, and with Robin Van Gin spearheading it, and the other was the Approach film with this director, Anne Cleary, and they were both different. They they actually both of them were their own creative projects that uh, involved more than just like snow porn. And it was really cool to be a part of. Robin did a surf skate snow series. It's actually coming out this spring on a platform. Um, so that hasn't released yet. And my my particular episode was about community. And then um, I filmed with Juliette Pelchat. Kind of just brought her out into the backcountry and showed her the ropes. And Robin's crew documented that. And yeah, there's a lot of different topics from environmentalism to activism, um, community and, and highlighting skateboarders, skate like a girl, uh, Paige Elms, surfing big waves. There's so many athletes involved. It's really inspiring to see. So super proud of Robin for just biting off the biggest project in the world. It was so impressive. Um. So there was that, and then the approach film is about highlighting women, um, adaptive athletes, and black athletes, and in skiing and snowboarding. So that was a really fun project to be a part of, although with COVID it was just hard because I didn't actually get to hang out with the crew, but seeing the final project, it's on the North Face YouTube channel.
3: Yeah, yeah. that's that's awesome. It, that Now, I have a question in regards to that stuff too, because... There's, you know, I was doing some deep dive dives. There's so much like content on the North Face channel of all, all these little like little content pieces and projects, like shorter short film style projects. And what are your thoughts on working on like the short film more like uh, pieces versus like the two year runway films, big production movies?
4: I think it's really fun to do it all. Um, I think. The, the short pieces are quick hits and can and center, like, the short pieces can be about anything. Like, it doesn't necessarily need to be a bang-in snow porn video, but it can highlight something about somebody's life that is pretty inspiring. So I, I'm pretty down to be a part of those short pieces. And then, obviously, like, the two-year projects are so fulfilling. <laughs> you work so hard to grind to get, like, the best shots you can to be part of a film and and those are just I think those are a staple in our sport we have to have those
3: well said yeah that's that's uh you need those big marquee films to to show like showcase snowboarding and and the 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 peak of riding and the big tricks but you you need the the personality uh storytelling as well I I love it all as well so
4: yeah yeah it's I think snowboard media is in a good spot right now I think there's a lot of different we're not just seeing just snowboard porn like I can I watch like as many videos as I can in the fall to get pumped on snowboarding but then I love watching the storytelling vibes too like um, Marie France and Leah Evans skier um, they did this Patagonia project and they did this traverse and it was nothing about skiing or snowboarding it was just about them suffering the whole time
2: the Traverse, yeah, it wow. was,
4: it was the Bugaboos to Rogers Traverse, but it was just filmed so well. It was, it basically just showcased like the relationship between them struggling, and it was, it was such a good film, and I appreciated it a lot. And it's not something that I would think about putting together, but it was so well done and inspirational and in, in its own way. So I think, yeah, it's was important that just to a have, gnarly
2: Traverse or what?
4: Oh yeah, it's like I check that out. It's, uh, I forget what the name it is. a
2: creative it. project right there. Making it was, a movie on the
4: traverse. And Marie loves suffering. She's really? just like, I'm going on this trip. And I, I like, can't wait to suffer. And, then, and But she truly suffered. Really? And then, and, yeah. And then when she got back, because she was living with me last winter, I was like, how was the traverse? Did you ride lines? Like, what did you guys do? And she's like, oh, we, we had no time to even look at lines. Like, we were just <laughs> racing the weather. 'Cause it's dangerous. you yeah. doing that, you only have a certain amount of food. You're like going two hundred kilometers from one end to the other end and and they ended up coming out in the middle of the night and and she was like, And I will never recommend a traverse with skiers <laughs> because
2: They're way better at well, it. Well, right? they're
4: just just so efficient. Yeah. So much faster. Yeah. And uh she's like, I would do that with snowboarders, but I think it was it was tough. Trying to, to keep
2: up with the ski. Yeah. Well,
4: and I I got sandbagged going out with Christina Lusty and Brett Harrington last year. They're like two badass mountaineer skiers for North Face and just, they're just so much faster. Yeah.
2: Amazing. It's funny how some people just like to suffer, huh? Like <laughs> yeah. some people go snow camping and just love it and other people go and they're just like, I will never do that yeah.
4: again. I know. <laughs> just
2: shivering <laughs> yeah, the entire night. Just
0: freezing and never
3: have, try it, And
4: If you have the right gear, it's like, it's fine. It can be cushy. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I can I can't say I've had similar experiences sleeping in the mountains. <laughs> i just like, Yep. Yeah, never doing that again. Yep. Uh, my especially here in Utah. I've snow camped like where I'm like thirty minutes from my bed. I'm yeah, like, you're like, why am
2: I sleeping here?
4: <laughs> <laughs> Jeff and I did a camping trip up La- uh up Whistler at the top of the mountain last year at, or two years ago, and I had the Inferno sleeping bag, the North Face, like, you know, eight hundred fill. I woke up in the morning, I'm like Oh that was actually not that bad And then he's just like Ugh. <laughs> You
2: could pay him I'm one like, of those 2 like, He's got the uh, Walmart special He's completely yeah. blue
0: <laughs> <laughs>
4: I was like, why didn't you wake me up? You and I put him in my sleeping bag right away. I'm like, you need a warm up. You're He's like, like this, this was $20.99 <laughs> at a Canadian tire. <laughs> wow. Yeah. We did it again this and year. No wonder yeah. why you
2: like snow camping. You ride for North Face.
4: Yeah. Very lucky. All that equipment. Yeah. It's awesome.
3: Now, um, What do you think about Timmy Hortons just before we wrap this thing up?
4: Oh, you know, I meant to bring some Tim Biebs for you, and I forgot.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We would have hammered those. That would have been a nice addition to the set. I will say this, though. I love Timmy Hortons.
3: I've been on trips with Eastone. Not a big fan.
4: (laughs) He's not. (laughs) I he's like, oh, again? We're going again? <laughs> it's just, uh, I don't know. Well, maybe not for the coffee. but The, the coffee
3: is horrible.
4: Yeah.
2: You know, let's be
3: honest. We're going to lose our Canadian viewership if you keep talking like this. But I, I have learned, you don't go to Timmy
2: Ho's and get a latte. You just got to get the drip coffee. Enjoy the donuts.
3: Bud thinks he's in Beverly yeah. Hills or some yeah. shit.
4: Like, you, don't like get sa- you don't get
2: a sandwich because it's going to taste like cardboard. Yeah, You just like- got to go Timbits and a drip coffee and then you're golden.
4: Yeah, you like don't really want to order the Timbits, but you order them anyways. You're like, oh, I'll have one, and then it's like, ten gone. Gotta <laughs> <laughs> get the
3: Timbits. Or somebody orders the fifty pack. Oh yeah, that's if somebody gets a banger in the streets. Yeah. get the fifty pack. <laughs> 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 yeah, and then you're just like super carb bloated and uncomfortable and like <laughs> borderline diabetes for the rest of the trip. It's really good. There's just so, Timbits rolling around the van, <laughs> frozen for the next guys, ten days.
4: Did you guys see the commercial with uh, Justin Bieber?
3: No, I haven't seen it.
4: Oh, it was a thing. He was—he had his own line of Timbits. Oh, really? It was called the Tim Beebs. Oh, he had the
3: Tim Beebs? Yeah. Wow.
4: Yeah, and there was merch. I got a Duke. <laughs> <laughs> There's a.
2: <laughs> he had a pro model Duke with uh with the donuts. That's dope.
4: He did, and we it was at our dirty sand secret Santa, and I stole it off Jackie. And she's like, no. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Little uh, sidebar fun fact, Buds was backstage at, uh, at Bieber uh, last yeah, week. Yeah, it's pretty dope. I'm a, I'm a beli- uh,
2: believer. <laughs> Is that what they're called? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Believer
4: <laughs> Backstage for him <laughs> singing? or Yeah,
2: it was his concert.
4: No way. Yeah, it was pretty sick. Cool. Good times. Did you meet Haley?
2: No. that's It's the day, actually, she had her uh, heart issue last week. She had a stroke. What? Yeah, last week. The so day of that young. concert, yeah, she's okay though. Oh, jeez! For all the believer fans out there, she is okay. <laughs> okay, oh, glad sending love out. to her family. She is yep. okay. He actually got he got off stage right to the PJ out of Salt Lake that night. Oh, that's and apparently that's how he rolls. Actually, every concert, just out, jumps in the jet right right after he finishes set. He's just escorted to the car, right to the airport on his own jet. Whoa,
4: getting it done. That's why he has to stay
2: on tour all the time because he got to feed that jet all that money. So you gotta stay on doors. It's a vicious cycle.
4: Well, uh, I it's th- true. Uh, and Tim Hortons. Oh, what's that? I bet Tim Hortons. Oh, yes. oh Tim Hortons. Yeah. Timmy <laughs> those Hose pays nice for a, uh, a, a nice. donut. Yeah, yeah,
2: donut sponsorship. Yeah. Hey, we can do advertising. Bomb, the bomb you reach hole out to us. <laughs> the bomb donut <laughs> hole. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we could do a Timmy Hose line. I'd love oh, to advertise epic. for them.
3: Pick out our own donut flavor. Yeah, you'd have to start liking the. You'd have to start liking their products. I love Timmy Hose, man. Get us up, Timmy. All right. Well, uh, Leanne, it's been a hell of a podcast. I think we're pretty good to wrap this thing up. Um, Before we do that, do you want to throw out any thank yous?
4: Yeah, lots of thank yous. Um, So grateful for all the support I've had over the years. Um, Thanks to North Face, Dragon, um, Black Diamond, Hyundai, K2, and Vans. Very grateful to the supporters and all the friends and everybody that's helped me along the way and my girls crew the full moon crew and Jeff and you guys
3: well thank you so much for coming on the show Leanne it's been a hell of a chat with you uh, I hope you guys have a great uh, you know rest of your pregnancy and everything goes great and your your baby get, comes out and is just doing back sevens off of natty <laughs> wind lips before we know Sponsed it six, months, <laughs> six month old sponsorships um, he's
4: gonna get in those little north face baby kits for sure oh yeah those are swag
2: yeah there's some nice gear i bet Nor- yeah i bet north face makes some dope little baby it stuff huh? the
4: cutest he's and gonna be like climbing
2: cutest. climbing a cliff free free salt free climbing is that what they call it. <laughs>
3: all kinds of care baby with no ropes yeah. just climbing <laughs> <laughs> well I also want to say thank you so much to everybody for listening watching again thanks for coming on the show leanne it's been a pleasure uh, everybody that sponsors the show thank you all of our patreon members we couldn't do this without you guys yeah, thank you. and uh we will see you next week over and out from the bomb hole
4: thank you guys